Welcome back. My name is Matthew Keeble, and you're listening to the Border Weekly Podcast. I am sitting here alongside my co-host, <laughs> Leslie Stokes. And we are coming to you live just after PDAC, I believe. So everybody's probably <laughs> busy nursing their hangovers. Hopefully it went uh, went well. We do uh, do have some audio from the floor coming up, courtesy of a uh, our staff writer, Salma Tariq, from Toronto. Um, also this week, we'll be looking at there was a lot of deals this week. There was so many deals. There were some mergers and acquisitions this week. So we will be looking at the Silver Standard Clode deal. We will be looking at the Lundy-Freeport deal. And we will be looking at, what's the third one? Oh, yeah, uh, True Gold and Endeavor Mining. That's right. That's right. And uh, also, we'll be doing our usual weekly uh, Twitter roundup. There'll be no PDAC weather report this week. Because <laughs> there's no Just PDAC. the Vancouver weather report. Oh, uh, it's raining. It's, it's raining. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's winter again. Yeah. So, wait, what's your, uh, what's your favorite hangover cure? For, for the P- uh, something like the PDAC, if you're coming down off a big conference. Oh, my gosh. That's a really good question. What I, I don't... I think just like a really quiet night in. What about uh, surfing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Getting well, some cold water, that oh, might do true. it. Oh, that's true. That's true. I do go surfing. It was funny. I came in here earlier and I said, hey, Matt, guess what I'm doing this weekend? <laughs> Matt was like, surfing? I'm like, surfing. you know me way too well. <laughs> <laughs> what about you said not surfing, shaping your I'm surfboard. actually shaping my first surfboard this weekend. Nice. I'm really excited, too. Nice, nice. Um, should be good. Yeah, that'll be good. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a food guy. As soon as I have breakfast, I'm fine. After If I wake up with a bit of hangover, as soon as I have breakfast, I'm usually okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna, empty stomach will kill me. Though. Empty stomach. So anyway, onwards and upwards. Uh, So yeah, as per usual, we'll start with a few little touch-ins on the gold, copper prices, what the exchanges are doing, all that fun stuff. Um, So when I came into the studio today, uh, the TSX was at around 13,318 points. Mm. Um, So I think that's around where we were last week when we recorded. Um, And then the venture was at 572.51 points, which you said was a... It's like a six-month high. Six-month high. So that's good. And a lot of that has to do with what I'm going to talk about now, which is metal prices and also oil, because oil is kind of getting closer to $40 a barrel again. Mm. Um, so again, when I walked in, I'll call it at airtime, because we use at <laughs> press time, but <laughs> at airtime. Uh, gold was at uh, $1,272.40 a pound. Nice. So we are inching our way to the 1300 level, which would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then copper had uh, has stayed really kind of nice. We, we talked about how it was at 220 um, a pound last week. Uh, it's currently at US $2.22 a pound. So Right, it's hovering. Yeah, it's hovering it's there, good. which is good. It's and true. then um, oil has been sort of a big story. Um, US uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude hit uh, US $37.97 a barrel. So it's kind of getting towards that $40 barrel point. I know a lot of the, the producers in the oil sands in Canada need closer to 60 So if we can get up there, we might start seeing some uh, not quite so bearish job activity in Alberta, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so what's happening? Why are there so many deals? Like, was it just PDAC? Do you think? Everyone's I reckon. Like, uh, that's, that's, that's what I reckon. I'm There's make so Matt many deals. Do t- t- tons of freaking M and A writing this week. That's what everyone decided. <laughs> yeah. So, so there Lots were, uh, I think, two on Friday, one on Monday. Um, so one right before PDC, which was, I believe the Endeavor mining true gold deal came out on Friday. And mm-hmm. I think the Lundin deal came out Friday and then silver standard Claude came right at, in the Monday. So right in the midst of the PDAC. Um, so we'll go tackle them a little bit chronologically. So I think Lundin Freeport was the first one, um, Lundin mining. Oh, uh, that's the base metal of sort of the Lundin, uh, mining empire, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. uh, bought, uh, the TMOC project reservoir uh reservoir minerals yeah project mm-hmm. generator yeah. uh canadian project generator um from freeport for 262 million so they didn't buy the whole thing obviously because it is a option agreement with reservoir um what they did buy was 
what they're calling the upper zone. So we yeah. talked about this a little bit. It's like That's a high right. grade overlay of a deeper seated porphyry, you kind of said. That's was. pretty much it, yeah. Matt. You just nailed it. Oh, good. Jeez. Yeah, ah, I loved it. Ah, <laughs> geology by osmosis. Yeah. Geology by osmosis. Uh, so <laughs> they paid $262 million, but this was the most complicated deal. I know. I needed so good at explaining it. Thank you. I mean, I, I don't it's know. The what first thing I told you that day when I came yeah, to the I, office. <laughs> I, I like, I like pull up the press release. So I was like, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. M&A transaction. These are usually pretty straightforward to write up. No. And I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> these guys possibly authored the most complicated document I've seen in my time here. Um, so what they did was uh, Lundin is kind of earning into that higher grade section we talked about. That upper top, yeah. Which is the stuff zone. they've kind of been working towards production in the shorter term, I think. Um, and they, they put out a, that's the stuff that has the inferred resource on it, which is 65 million tons at 2.6% copper and one and a half gram gold. Okay. So it's like yeah, super it's high grade. Amazing. And this isn't what they call the TMOC magmatic magmatic complex exciting new jurisdiction um we did talk about how uh rio just actually signed a 75 million dollar earn-in with reservoir on a different piece of this area so that's causing a little bit of back and forth uh amongst analysts and industry watchers because people are asking whether reservoir is gonna they have a right of first offer wow it's kind of like you know right. you throw you throw some bread into a pond and all the ducks just come well, flying. Well, looks like a pieces. big copper porphyry district yeah, that they found. Right? But it has a really long, the bore mines right there, it has a really long history of, of production within Serbia, but this is really the first time I think international companies are kind of getting a chance to take a swing at it. So it's yeah. it's, it's attracting a lot of attention. So, any, so, so Reservoir has what they call a right of first offer, which is different than a right of first refusal because they're basically allowed to come in and kind of make their own offer and see if they can supersede uh, Lenin's offer, which is essentially for 75% of this upper high grade zone. Um, so yeah, there, uh, when I was listening to the, the conference called Lenin Mining put on, uh, Paul Conabare, who's the CEO is on it. And as I said, in the article was like half sales job, half explanation. Cause he's trying to be like, Hey, Reservoir, we'd be great partners to this. It'll be <laughs> awesome. So anyways, what they did. Yeah. So they, they paid the 135 million up front on closing. Uh, they have to do 20 million in exploration study work on the lower zone, which is the bigger, the bigger bulk tonnage, porphyry, porphyry. block cave type thing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, they pay them com combined uh, around 95 million U.S. Uh, half of that, I think, is when they decide make a construction decision, so they decide to build it, and then the other half when they hit commercial production. So right. it's kind of staged. So what one of the things Lundin said was they could do this deal and maintain their balance sheet flexibility, so they still have a little bit of ca cash in the kitty. As they mm -hmm. say. Um, and then Freeport, interestingly enough, this is see, this is um, another kind of just says the district's kind of hot right now is that Freeport maintain a back end right. Mm -hmm. So if anybody finds on the ground that this deal includes a four million ton or great or yeah, four I think it's four million ton or greater copper equivalent mm -hmm. deposit, then Freeport backs right in there and gets it. Right. Lending goes back to the 21% ownership. So, so yeah, it, it gets even more. Like, there's a bunch of other stuff going on here. But that's kind of the, the gist of it. Mm. And this actually, like, confused a lot. Of, like, I was on the analyst calls a lot. And this, like, they were, like, really, really flummoxed because they were like, uh, where did you get the nat net asset value for this deposit? Because it has this, like, inferred resource that's, like, three years old or somewhere around there. Th th this came out a few years ago, uh, the one, we s the 65 million ton one. So they're like, uh, where did you get the 262 million? Like, what are you basing the valuation on? Because the analysts like to plug everything into their 
little Excel spreadsheets so they'd all <laughs> so they're like, Where'd you get it from? And the lending guys are like, Don't worry, don't worry. They're like they've been doing a whack load of internal drilling and scoping on it apparently, like reservoir and freeport have drilled just the living heck out of this thing. But it's not public. No, none of it's public. They were gonna re- release a preliminary economic assessment later this year, but right. then this deal came down the pipe and they said, Lending said, we'll probably do our own work on it. Um, but yeah, so they said, don't worry, analysts. There's actually way more data on this thing yeah. than's out there, right? Because I guess Freeport does a lot of stuff and you used to work for them. It's not, so. very, not very transparent. Yeah, well, they do a lot of work internally, right? Like yeah, they th- do. It's not released, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that one, so that was good. So uh, Freeport, as we talked about, wanted to improve their balance sheet. Lundin, uh said that they can get the mine in production within five years. Yeah, what is the timeline there? Do that was the other. And what, I mean, what's what's the backstory with uh, that? The issue, the interesting thing is that they sort of are under the gun to make a production decision there by the Serbian government by 2022. Right. So they, uh, from what I gathered, this was from um, the lending management was that uh, they're sort of they kind of are obligated to get it sort of in production within five six years. Right. But they think they could like that's the timeline they're putting on it. Like they said, this is a great midterm. Uh, copper acquisition for us. We're gonna. S- this is our marquee investment now. Like they said, it was the biggest thing in their in their investment uh, or development pipeline. Right. So they're gonna work really hard to get into production, I think. And they seem to think there's a lot more work there done than anybody actually knows about. Well, so yeah, because y- I mean, all this is based on inferred. Exactly, and it's only moment. 65 million tons, right? Like no. that's not big as far as copper copper mines go. But they, th- they seem they to think certainly it's know something that we don't. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then you was it? Did you go down to visit Africa with Endeavor, or was it with someone else? Oh, I was. Yeah, yeah I went you to were with them. Yes. Well, did you go to Hyundai? Their Hyundai project? No, I didn't. didn't? Okay. No, I was in Cote d'Ivoire. Because that gets a that gets a little play in what we're talking about next, which is the True Gold uh, Endeavor deal, mm-hmm. um, which was a two hundred twenty six million all share deal. Uh, interesting because True Gold, which is a Marco Day oxygen capital company. Uh, was very close to going to production at their Karma project. I think they're already stacking ore on the pads. I th- they're or they're very close. Um, so Endeavor basically just swallowed this thing right as it was about to hit production. Um, and the premium on that, I believe, was uh, of around thirty-two percent or so. So it's about fifty-seven cents a share for True Gold. So right. um, it's, uh, it's a great not, combo. Yeah, and I mean, it's not a, a super big mine. Like it's only got an eight-year life based on. Um, Reserves of about just under a million ounces at about 0.89 gram gold a ton. So, but the big thing is that it's a huge land package. Yeah. Like and, oh, and I tell you what, yeah. Cote d'Ivoire, West Africa, geology down there, if you want to find some gold deposits. <laughs> and I mean, if, if I, if I was back in the geology space and I was like, here, let's say, here's your own company. You know where I go? I go straight over there. Straight. And they're, they've actually been around the potential marketing. potential is huge. Um, Oh, what's the gent's name that uh, uni- John Bell, I think, is the ambassador to the Ivory Coast? Oh, yes. Yeah, Remember, yeah. he swung by the office. Yeah, I missed him. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so if you're a mining company out there looking for good gold projects in underexplored jurisdictions, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, Ivory and Coast. Uh, pop Leslie an email because you might know somebody. I will, I will tell you yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, ask me. I mean, I just, I, I, it was just such a spectacular time, and Endeavor was doing such a wonderful job down there at their Agbau operation. Yeah. Um, yeah. The same thing with Amara Mining. Um, so oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So there's anyway lo- lots of opportunities down there and, and not a lot of players. Yeah, and it's a cool place. Like I I, I, I was there five years ago maybe, um, but it was it's it's very beautiful there. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's not one of those really landlocked. You get some nice nice uh, yeah, it's greenery really, and it's, it's green, lush and, and it's yeah. funny because nothing nothing moves. That was my yeah. biggest observation when I was down there. I was just like. <laughs> 
but where are all the birds and the animals? And somebody leaned over to me and they said, Leslie, they ate them all. They did, yes. <laughs> and that's also, when I was in Madagascar, that's the first the thing they tell you. They're like, yeah, the, 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 it's hunter-gatherer society. They ate them all. And they, they haven't quite come back yet. Yeah, but, but I it's mean, beautiful. it's very it's friendly very, and they're yeah. really open to mining and they're changing um, their whole regime and down there and their mining code. Geologically it's perspective. Like, is oh it, it's my like God, a, is it's it a green soap down it's there? It's a big, yeah, it's called the, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Berminian. Anyway, oh, everyone's probably laughing. Anyway, it's, it's like a, it's a green stone belt with shear zones just cutting through it. Um, and out of all of West Africa, Cote d'Ivoire has the largest chunk of the prospective greenstone oh, okay. belt. And okay. it hasn't been explored because it's been tied up. Um, government, right? Or, by or do government. they have a lot of illegal miners down there? Yeah, I there's a lot of artisanal yeah, miners and yeah. stuff. Um, and just like it is that, anywhere. Like anywhere, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Cote d'Ivoire has opened up the stores and said, hey, look, come you know, prospect and explore. Yeah, I definitely Exact same rocks in Ghana, exact same yeah. rocks in Mali, but they just have a lot more of it in Cote d'Ivoire, and I thought that was really cool. And, and then, of yeah. course, the same rocks are down in French Guyana, because, of it's course, yeah, yeah. West Africa and the South... Pangea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Buddy, high five. Can we yeah. get this sound in? Oh, yeah. That there was a high good. five there. I five. knew about okay. the Pangea. I've actually had the pitch on uh, 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 British Guyana and... Uh, uh, what's the Suriname? Is that right there? Yeah. Um, how about how it's like... Well, you know West Africa? It's like the, <laughs> the same, same thing. We're exploring for the same thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. If uh, if you're interested in more um, Ivory Coast, I think Leslie had a site visit. When would have been this summer? If it, somebody it wants to search year. it. It was last year. Last year? Okay. I went to West Africa for two days. Yeah. Yeah. That's those, that, hey, a day and a that's half. That's the best part of this job. It was so much fun. Lightning raids into countries, uh, and you're just you're just there and out, and you don't even story. know what happened. Yeah. Check yeah. check out my story online yeah. if you want to get some good background. I've got Endeavor Mining. Um, Site visit, and I also have the Amara site visit. And they're two articles. We talk to Endeavor quite a bit. They're they're good guys. They're they're Great. always readily available. They've done really well. Over yeah, the past and time. they've done well. Yeah, and then just let's wrap up the seven eight thing because I know this is a little bit dry. So we'll get this quickly out of the way here. Um, we'll probably not dry for the companies, but for our listeners, I don't want to just spout off like numbers all day. Um, so <laughs> Silver Standard waited in and bought um, Claude Resources, which runs the uh, CB and Santoy mines in Saskatchewan. In the Larange district, I believe. Oh, my French. <laughs> um, and really? so they paid uh, $337 million for Solar Standard did for Claude, and it's mostly shares. Um, the, CB co- uh, the CB complex, because from what I gathered from the conference call, again, the CB and Santo are two different sources of ores. So there's deposits, but there's one central complex that processes both. Okay. So last year they produced 75,750 ounces there. And that's a 69% jump in production since 2011. So wow. they've been doing, Claude, Claude's been doing like really good things there. And one of the things that really helped them and drew a lot of attention, because apparently they'd been getting like bigger companies have been coming around, si- signing a lot of CAs and, and just really looking at them since about mid last year, was they, they discovered the Santoy Gap deposit. And this is a higher grade, like their average mill grade, I think was over eight grams of gold per ton this year, which is like great, right? And so one of the reasons that, this Santoy Gap discovery really helped them because it gave them a really nice high-grade source of ore. So one of the things I looked up was their reserve grade went up from 5.37 grams gold in 2011 to 7.03 wow. this year or last year. So that's obviously one of the things Silverstein looked at. So maybe there's some more uh, geologic prospectivity because they have quite a big land package, but they could never afford to drill it. So that's one of the things they're looking at because I'm sort of defending um, Silverstein here because a lot of the analysts said they overpaid right. for Claude because – and you know this as well um, as anyone is that when you have these like high grade things, you, you don't have a lot of mine life, right? It's like, I think their reserve life is like four years because it's just it's narrow and, and it pinches and swells. So I think with their M&I, the mine life at CB and Santoy is around 10 years. 
Right. So some of the analysts, again, it didn't fit their model. They were like, well, you paid $337 million for 10 years of mine life. But, you know, obviously there's upside. So. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It's yeah. like uh, Northern Star Resources down in Australia. They yeah. bought the Paulson's Mine back in 2011. Sorry if I'm wrong there, but it's about that. For about $40 million, everyone called them crazy. They yeah. were like, look, that, that mine's only got like maybe a year or something left to its mine life, not even. And Northern Star went and did it. They were pretty much like near bankruptcy. They didn't have much money left. They, they struck the deal, turned into uh, the biggest cash cow they've ever had. And now they're well over a billion dollar market cap company. Exactly. So you, you yeah. can never predict these things. Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of the times the analysts are just looking at what's there already. Yeah. They're not looking at the, the discovery potential. Yeah, the discovery mm. potential. So a few of them were saying, yeah, there's a lot of value add there, yeah. um, potentially as far as exploration is concerned. And it's also interesting. Uh, I don't know if you remember, there's a few companies that have done this where Silver Standard was, I think, a Canadian company to begin with. They went down and developed um, an asset in South America or the Americas more for, the, for it's in Argentina. It's in Argentina. But the, 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 way, the way this story is going, it needs to be, because it has to include Mexico. Um, they came back up and bought a Canadian mine. Yeah. And in the last few years, we saw Primero do that, because they went down and did the San Dimas thing in Mexico. They came up and bought Brigus Gold for the Black Fox and Gray Fox. And then just recently, what was the other one that just Oh, Alamos. And they're a Mexican operator, and they came up and bought Arico and the Young Davidson. Right. So a lot of these Canadian companies are going out making their first mine killing <laughs> elsewhere and then coming back and buying Canadian mines now. So yeah. welcome back, boys. Yeah. <laughs> welcome back. You're back in. Uh, and uh, speaking of Australians, yeah, so Paul Benson, CEO of um, a Silver Standard, uh, was previously, I believe, in charge of Troy Resources, which is a big Australian gold producer that works a lot in South America. They are building a mine in, in British Guyana right now, speaking of oh, okay, right. connecting our discussions. On wow, on so many levels. Right oh, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. So, that, so yeah, it was really busy. Um, if you want more coverage on all those, uh, they're loaded in the paper this week. There's yes. 3,000 words on those. Uh, on those deals. So if you'd like some more in-depth, uh, in-depth coverage, please do check out the newspaper. Um, and then, yeah, we wanted to follow up on, uh, on our Red Lake talk from last week, because you had a discussion with uh, the management at Pure Gold, which is actually another Marco Day company. So we yeah. also connected our True Gold talk. Yeah. Um, but you had a chance to talk to them a little bit about geology, which was really interesting because they're kind of working on the same level that Gold Corp was a Kochner and, and in the same kind of ballpark, right? Or yeah, they're really, yeah, they're really close. They're in the Red Lake district. Yeah. And so um, Pure Gold, I went down to their headquarters last week, and I was chatting with Darren Lebrenz and Phil Schmerchansky. Yep. Which, I love that name, Schmerchansky. I, I like the idea of S-H and C-H in the same In the same word. name. Yeah. yeah. Phil, best name ever. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they were really nice, and they were, they were chatting me and telling me all about their Madsen property, which um, they've been exploring, and they're going to be, they've just announced that they're going to initiate a preliminary economic assessment. Oh, are they already? I yeah. visited that, actually. Yeah, um, I heard. Two years ago, maybe. Oh, when they first started it. Um, are they still working on that number eight plug thing? Is that what they're still doing? No, they're right now they're actually going to be focusing a little bit closer to the head frame. Oh, okay. So um, Madsen was uh, previously mined for like 30 years. It got about over 2 million ounces of gold out of um, the Austin yeah. and Austin South Horizon. Because there's an old tailings. I there's tailings there's facility, 500 tailings. tons yeah. per day mill on yeah. site. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Austin South Austin produced 2.4 million ounces gold, oh, and okay. it was mined down to like 1.2 kilometers at depth. Yeah, well, yeah, um, it's deep that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it was like their head frame, and like the deposit was plunging away from the head frame. So by the time they reached down to like 1.2 kilometer level, like they would have to drift 
like yeah. for kilometers yeah, yeah. just to get to the ore body. So eventually that, that was one of the reasons why it stopped among among others. And um, as we all know, like with these deposits in Red Lake, they continue on forever. They, they go for like two yeah. kilometers plus. It becomes a bit of a ch- geotechnical challenge. You need many head frames, but um, Yeah, there's totally a lot doable. of them popping up. If you're, have you been up there? I've never it's been. It's so funny. I because really there is like to. just like head, like I head frames everywhere. It's just, especially <laughs> when you get near Gold Corpse Red Lake mine, yeah. it's just like head frames. Like you just yeah. drive along a highway. Like it's the one of the more impressive like from a mining industry point of view, it. it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And cool. and in going up there, yeah, um, Matson was interesting. I mean, so so, but they they were doing some pretty um, oh, cutting right, edge theoretical geological yeah. stuff up there, right? Are they still they forwarding are. those big kind of ambitious? Yeah. So plans? well, like with the Austin and South Austin deposit, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you're, you're, it's really complicated geology. I mean, it, it was it's a replacement ore that's structurally controlled, and then that's been beaten up by other structures, making it kind of like a melange, a little bit of a mess. But so the Austin South Austin is this um, trending thing, and then the McVeigh Horizon, which that's is right. right next to it, it's parallel trending. Yep. Yep. And so McVeigh also saw some development back in the day. Um, I think it was down to about 300 meters depth. Yeah, there's depth. a little portal there. I remember a seeing that. A little portal, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. it was mined to about 300 meters depth. Now, it's kind of plunging in the opposite direction of of austin so as the miners back in the day were mining out austin they were plunging one way they were getting further and further away from being able to drill at depth uh, mcveigh mcveigh oh, I see. so okay. they just kind of forgot about mcveigh they're like mcveigh see you later you <laughs> we know? took a little ore out of there we took a little ore and we're yeah, out yeah. and so um pure gold's like cool idea is it's not even an idea really it's just they, they they have um a lot of keen people on staff they've got a structural their own in-house structural Geo, yeah, I was always cool impressed Chris with Lee. their geological staff. They yeah. had a lot of like. I mean, how yeah. come more people don't have structural geos on staff? Yeah, yeah. People, yeah. We just had everyone listening, we were talking about last week. Yeah. Get yourself a structural in-house geologist. Yeah. So important. Anyway, so they've been coming up with these, this idea that um, the McVeigh Horizon is actually the exact same horizon as Austin. Oh, that's new. Because it's like folded over. Yep. Upon yep. itself, so it's just like a big fold. And then let's not forget the other footwall horizon, which is Austin South. Yeah. And I don't know if Pure Gold has been has kind of encountered that, but th- there's even another potential for a correlatable horizon. Oh wow! Okay, so a third below one below McVeigh, right? Yeah. And so anyway, and um, what they're doing now is that they're blasting it with drill holes. They got a 16,000 meter drill hole program coming on this year. And at the same time, they're doing a snapshot study for a PEA. Um, for the McVeigh and for for the resources there. Um, and did they just put out some drill results, or did <coughs> they? They did. They yeah. Did? Where was the, were, the, were those from McVeigh, or were they from closer to Madsen? Well, they they had about or three thousand meters. Yeah, it's kind of from both. Orient from yeah. McVeigh and Austin. I think and, and I think they were able to like intercept two um, horizons. And oh, cool. Okay. Drills. And you're so going to be writing that up next week. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be writing this stuff up. Um, and I know I was talking. I think we have a little clip. Oh, actually. we do actually. That's, That's right. right. From Darren, is it? Um, or both of the guys? From I no, I think I think maybe we'll just use um, Darren. Darren LeBrenz had little something to say and and th- this kind of really puts it all together like the what what happens when the McVeigh and the Austin are the same horizon what is the potential here and here is Darren telling you all about that all right let's run it the implication is that the uh, the McVeigh may have you know similar depth potential as the Austin uh, plunge of mineralization may be different right we're on the other side of the limb and so that may explain why it wasn't pursued as as um, or as exhaust extensively mined as the as the Austin. It may be open. Right. And that's what we're testing right now if they're drilling. Yeah. Because they haven't closed it off when they were doing that. Not at all. No. No, it's wide open. 
Right. So, and we're back. Yeah, so um, it has the same depth potential, and that's what they're going for. So you have the Austin plunged down to like 1.2 kilometers depth. They mined it obviously profitably. It was obviously a consistent ore body. Um, and so that's their idea going into McVeigh. It has the same depth potential. Well, that's cool. And yeah. I mean, there's some, uh, again, it's uh, um, an oxygen capital essentially company. So Marco Day is involved and some of the guys yeah. who, he, I think he was second place in the Gold Corp Challenge Marco yeah, was the, back in the day. The so there's some, some yeah. bright guys working on that. Yeah, the structural yeah. geologist that works for Pure Gold and house that's working on this project was a semifinalist for the Gold Corp Challenge as well. Oh, perfect. I heard. Yeah. Okay, so now we can get into the Integra stuff because oh, I know right. what you want to talk about yeah. uh, the Gold Rush Challenge. But before we do, I just heard a hilarious story. I, and love I don't know if it stories. was on Twitter or if we had. Po- sorry, I, I can't source this, but this is a hilarious story. So apparently, Rob McEwen, who had been a big um, part of the Gold Corp Challenge originally back in the day, right? It was one of the one of the forefront forerunners of it. He he got up. He was one of the judges, I guess, for the for the Integra thing, right? Yeah. And so many, the winner, I think, had designed this like virtual reality headset. Is this? Is this? Is this? Did you hear this? No. And the, you could like look around a deposit in 3D on this virtual reality headset. Wow. And so Rob McEwen was like lying on stage, <laughs> looking at this virtual reality headset. And apparently, uh, the the connection of the story is back in the day, he'd actually designed like a 3D modeling thing himself, where you use those like old school red and blue oh, 3d really? glasses to do something similar so he was like blown away because oh. uh, it was something he thought about like years ago but anyway so yeah so w- so we have the integra who who won Do we yes have? um you know big congratulations to sgs sgs Geostash. Yep. Yep. so um this team it was just a bunch of the team hails from quebec Oh, okay. Um, and so there's about, how many people? Six, six people on there. I'm not going to go through the names, but I'm sure you can go to the Integra Gold website and yep. find them. Um, but yeah, so uh, in a nutshell, they use sophisticated geostatistical methods to drive data into an expansive and unbiased block model. So uh, uh, needless to say, they, they basically found a way to combine um, basic geological knowledge with a computer that was able to churn out a bunch of prospectivity. on. No, so they won, was it half a million targets. dollars? I saw they a big won, check. I saw yeah. a picture of a big check. Yes, they did. With yeah. all the guys and Brent five hundred thousand dollars. Everybody was there. So. Yeah. So and the cool thing is, second place. Dun dun dun. dun. MDU. No, it's not MDRU. Oh, MDRU no. actually came um um, in fifth place. Okay. Well done, Craig and Sarah. It's yep. amazing. Um, but we have the data miners, and they're a bunch of students. Oh no way. Yeah, one of them's from the MDRU. So. I mean, yeah, second place, bunch of uh, students. Now, so I'm hopefully that pays some tuition. That would be <laughs> nice, right? Yeah. We, I, they got 150000 Oh, beautiful. How many yeah. other wars are? I think, I think there's like a handful. That's a few years of school right there. Yeah, yeah, That's fabulous. They definitely went and yeah. got some beers. There's but the, future of the future of the geologist trade right there. I know. It's so exciting. And I'll be covering this story later. I'm going to be catching up with George and Stephen, whoever oh, I can get my hands on, just to find out exactly what uh, kind of ideas they got. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting yet. to actually follow up in depth on on I really some of know. the concepts and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. you were thinking of entering it yourself. In the I beginning. was, yeah. and it was November. It was like my vacation time. I just kept on going on vacation, and I um, just never had a chance yeah, to do yeah. submission. Well, yeah, I feel I feel a bit ashamed. I should have I should have done it because, uh, yeah. Oh. But Next I think time. a lot of. Uh, a lot of people took time off work and stuff to do it properly. Right? They did, yeah. yeah. And some and of course, like there was a lot of geos that were a bit unemployed. As, oh yeah, <laughs> so they I'm didn't sure really have anything f- else. A to few do. people between uh, back then. between uh, between gigs at the, at that time, but uh, hey, yeah. higher metal prices. Maybe we're uh, maybe we're going to be sustainable here and see a sort of a renaissance, so we can maybe do that. Yeah. And then um, a little bit. Uh, I know we'd wanted to talk a little bit about um, the safety angle. Um, and you had a little bit of stuff on mental health. Uh, but uh, we wanted to give a 
quick update. Um, there's been, uh, we talked about the lily mine uh, last week with right. the three miners trapped about 80 meters under surface in a container that was used as an office due to uh, generally, I think a, a crown pillar gave way and, and it was basically a big sinkhole. So some unfortunate news on that front. Um, they have indefinitely suspended rescue efforts because of uh, the open pit still moving apparently. So every time the rescuers try to get down there, there's more cave-ins and another really? piece of the pit fell into the underground. So they have to wait for everything to kind of oh settle no. down before they can get down there. So the miners haven't tracked down there or trapped down there since February 5th. So, uh, you know, our hearts go out to them. We hope everything's good. Oh um, but we'll, we'll keep our uh, ear to the ground on that one. Right. Uh, there's a brief update in, um, in the paper that, uh, coming up this week. Um, but more so, we also wanted to focus on mine safety in general. And um, some of the stuff that was like interesting is like, well, some people might think, oh, it's, it's inherently more dangerous to mine in South Africa. But South Africa has actually been making a lot of strides with mine safety. They had the fewest fatalities in the industry ever last year. Oh, wow. So it's just a story for everyone. No matter how good you get, no matter how few fatalities you have, keep on top of it. Keep it top of mind. Top priority. Yeah, top you know, priority. You used a statistic in your article that I was looking at, Glencore. Yeah. And the number of fatalities in Glencore alone. Yeah. I mean, was, it's it was 26, I think, two, in, in 2011. In 2013, you had 26 and 10 people last, 10 people last year. Yeah. And that, that links into the second That's part, which lot. is we heard about the Katanga, uh, which was a similar, uh, it's, it's an open pit mine as opposed to an underground mine. Um, but uh, a crew of workers work, was working on dewatering um, when they had a similar, uh, uh, I guess it was a geotechnical shift or something that caused the ground conditions to be unstable. Right. Um, and at the time of, of recording, um, I, this is really coming at us because I think it happened two days ago. So this is coming, all the information is pretty fresh. Mm -hmm. um, there were seven people involved. Uh, at this point, they found three bodies. Oh, and so God, there's awful. four people unaccounted for. So again, uh, our hearts go out to them. Well, hopefully that uh, that resolves itself well. And but uh, you had wanted to get a bit into mine safety because you've been on yeah. more sites than um, yeah because we were talking about it the other day and yeah. I mean I worked at mine sites and um, in in Australia where of course safety is so like paramount um, you can't even lift a hammer without even having procedures on it yeah yeah or getting trained yeah, yeah. and you know especially in Australia everything's like down to the paperwork um, but the one thing that really stood out for me where I was working was that you know, you had all this paperwork for all the safety and we were always so on top of it. But when it came to like mental health safety yeah. or even sexual harassment, mm -hmm. I mean, d there was no procedures written for no, this sort of stuff. No, no, no. This is pretty new, right? And this is new. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I started exploring it a little bit more. Oh, are you doing an article on it? That's well, cool. I don't know. I guess so. Like, yeah. I mean, I just started looking at it today and I thought, you know, th this is all really interesting. But you it know, was International Women's Day like the other yeah. as well. That was I, women in mining. I saw a few cool tweets and stuff. They were yeah, I did see that too. too. Yeah, but yeah, in in Australia in WA, there's like sixty six thousand FIFO workers, right? Wow. And there was a study that they did, um, the government did last year, and they found that you know mental health problems um, jump up to thirty percent, which is higher than the twenty percent national average for, for FIFO workers. Wow. So if you're a FIFO worker in Australia, you at the end of the day have an increased risk of suicide. Isn't and that scary? Why not listen what the FIFO is? is oh, sorry, right. Yeah. FIFO, I just assume everyone knows. FIFO is fly in, fly out. Oh, okay. So, so we do so roster yeah. work, two weeks on, one yeah. week off. Rotation work, yeah. Two weeks on, yeah. two weeks off is my Yeah, I've done that. When roster. I was younger, I did it like when you used to do like six weeks on for fly camps and oh stuff like gosh, that. Oh my gosh, six yeah. weeks on. We did it in, uh, we were looking for um, diamonds in none of it. I, or in, yeah, in none of it. I believe it was like five kilometers south of James Bay. It was actually super oh, cool. cool. Um, but we were in fly camps just uh, Trough and Timberlight for Kimberlite for like 
tropping these dirty kind of swampy <laughs> areas for like six weeks. It was actually cool. Like we yeah. worked with, uh, flew out of well Yellowknife and it was, uh, it was, it's actually beautiful up there, but the muskag, like you don't want to walk there. Cause like, it's like, <laughs> it's up to your like knee. And then below that, it's just all these like uneven rocks. You need really mm. good boots, it, 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 but it's beautiful. But, and then the mosquitoes are holy smokes. So like after, after six weeks of working up in the bush without any connection with Maybe Except even your loved ones. How did you How did men. you feel at the end of it? Uh, like, did you find getting out of there is crazy? Like right. the first time you get there, and then also you don't spend any money, so you get this huge check <laughs> at the end of the t- at the end of time. It was great because I was like uh, going to school, like paying, uh, helping pay some of my tuition with it, right? Um, but uh, it, it, it's definitely a shock to the system. I right. mean, I was really young, like, and, and and this was only over the course of a couple summers. So I can like making a light living out of it over a lifetime. I can totally see how right, yeah. you kind of get disconnected and feel like you didn't really live in one place, right? Yeah, especially because you're going from being totally isolated. Yeah. And for a long stretch of time, and then shabam, you've got this big fat check, yeah. and now you're in the big city lights, yeah. and I mean, well, you're, a lot. it's I a big tug a of war emotionally, right? Of, exactly. Yeah, there's because a lot of alcohol abuse that comes out of that, I think. Yeah. So is the Australian government doing a study on this? Or well, no, th- they already have, oh, okay. um, but uh, in Canada, we're, we're doing a study right we are now. as well? Okay. Well, Valet and the United Steel Workers with the yep. Center of Research um, for Occupational Safety and Health mm-hmm. um, at Laurentian University in Sudbury, Ontario. Oh, okay. They're doing a three-year study, I found out, um, which should be coming out in 2018. So they're co- currently collecting data. And the reason why they're doing that is because they, they look at the percentage of disability claims in Canada due yeah. to mental health is 78% of short-term claims. Now, get this. Wow. 67% of long-term claims is because of mental health um, in Canada, which mm-hmm. is which is kind of significant. You want to talk about productivity, right? So at Valley's operation, um, they reckon about one in four of their disability claims are mentally mental health-related. Wow. And so, I mean, it's kind of a, a hidden issue. Everyone in our minds always talking about getting their all-in-cash costs down and yeah. increasing productivity. Um and I mean, how often do you feel sometimes when you're feeling a little bit down and out about something, or maybe your boss is giving you a hard time, and you go and you try to write an article, suddenly you feel like you kind of can't because you're held back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or your, pr- your production's not quite as good as it your production's be. not yeah. very good yeah. if if your head's not in the right space. And hey, look, we're all human; like we're, it happens to us. And so, it'd be nice to see more of a conversation um, about that coming out in our industry, so we can kind of take accountability and take charge and take care of each other. Yeah. And so those statistics are really good. And also, um, whether we're talking about mental health or whether we're talking about site safety, like we said, just top of mind, top of mind. Top of mind, yeah. Top of mind. So that's yeah. uh, moving on to uh, our next listing, uh, our next little segment, I should say. I just mumbled. Um, but uh, uh, as we said earlier, um, Selma was nice enough to uh, get us some sound bites from the floor of Thank PDAC. you, Selma. Thank you, Selma. Yeah. So Selma Tariq, our And our thanks for everyone writer. who did the floor at Yeah, I, good work, everybody. I yeah, saw some articles of the, the, Twitter, uh, the Twitter pictures of John at the booth. Yeah. And I saw Anthony hosting, uh, Anthony Vaccaro, our publisher, was hosting a, I think it was an alternative uh, finance session with Pear Tree Securities. So uh-huh. I saw some of the cool um, uh, pictures coming in on Twitter. So, uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go right now and we'll go straight to it and we'll let, uh, we'll roll just a quick little clip from the PDAC floor. You can hear from uh, a few of the participants. Uh, thanks again, Selma. Jonathan Buchanan, uh, Director of Communications and Public Affairs with the Association for Mineral Exploration, British Columbia. And this is our 10th uh, year exhibiting at PDAC, and we're here to uh, meet with our members and uh, uh, have 
some good conversations. Uh, we're enjoying the being in the mining marketplace, uh, fair amount of traffic, and uh, we're certainly excited to meet with our colleagues uh, across Canada. Hi, my name is David Stewart. I'm a mining engineer from Canada. And honestly, it's been way too long for me to make the decision to actually come to PDAC because I'm blown away. Just the scope of the event, the number of people and companies that are here. Uh, I'm a full-time MBA student right now at Schulich and it's an amazing networking opportunity. So students, anyone in the industry, even people that aren't involved in mining at all, definitely come out. There's a lot to learn and a lot of good people to meet. So my name is Todd Jaco. I am a business development uh, leader for, I cover, among other things, Canada and Australia. And I work for a company called Mina Technologies out of St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. So what brings you to PDAC? So uh, one of our partners, one of our hopeful partners out of Australia uh, is here at PDAC in force, including their company technology director and their business development manager, Global. So I got wind of that and decided to come to PDAC. It was actually a last minute thing. So I'm really far away in terms of hotels. But the drive's a nightmare, but the conference has been quite good so far. I got a chance to meet them. And uh, beyond that, I've had a chance to hook up with some people from Hatch, which I didn't expect to be able to do. Uh, I have a lot of other partners in Toronto, so it's actually a great central meeting place. And Toronto is really easy to get to from any airline. Um, if you book early, the hotels would probably be better. And you're based in? I'm based in St. Louis, Missouri. So uh, a little further, but not as far as the people from Latin America or Australia, for example. Well, it certainly sounded busy. Mm -hmm. in the background I, I i have to say it it had that good count conference sound to it you it know? did yeah. yeah and then also uh i think the last uh, the last gentleman here's a uh, here's a, a nugget of wisdom that came off the interview about floor book your hotels early because you'll end up <laughs> staying at, like the airport if you have to come up quickly with short notice so and guess what time it is i think i know what time it is what, what, what time is it? <laughs> it's your favorite time. It is Twitter time. <laughs> so we will be taking a glance at uh, at my Twitter feed. Um, and this week, I focused on the number PDAC 2016 hashtag. I can't wait. So s sticking with our theme, we'll see what people have been, uh, been tweeting from the floor and hopefully avoid uh, any marketing-related materials here. Um, so Invest in Canada, which I assume is a Government of Canada mm -hmm. Twitter account, uh, tweeted during the PDAC. Uh, just a world leader in mining and then some some interesting stats just so that we can all refresh ourselves Canada is the number one producer of potash the number two producer of uranium niobium and nickel the number three producer of aluminium cobalt aluminium I know, Matt I know. good for you yeah, I say aluminium now too yeah I know I, I picked it I think <laughs> one of my British or Australian friends bashed <laughs> it in my head. It. Uh, cobalt <laughs> platinum and gemstones so Help really? me out. What's gemstone? What? Because diamonds they say separately, but gemstones are. I guess just like semi-precious, like rubies. Uh, and anyway, and listeners, tweet me. <laughs> Let me know if you yeah. have a good gemstone <laughs> definition. Uh, number four producer in tungsten, salt. Good, good job. Uh, sulfur, diamonds, cadmium, and indium. Wow. And we are the number five global producer in gold. Cool. Yep. So just so everybody remembers, we are trucking along here. Yeah. Uh, I do have a funny picture uh, from the um, uh, Gold Rush Challenge, Integra's Gold Rush Challenge, that was tweeted out by the official PDAC Twitter account. Um, and it's just the SGS team called the Titans uh, with uh, Sean Majunder, who you were stoked to see. I love Sean. Um, and it's just a cool so little picture guy. that they tweeted out of all of them holding the uh, uh, necessary giant check 
that every competition must have. Yeah, can I see it? Uh, I actually don't have it. I just have a description of it on my phone. Because I couldn't send... He's he's looking at his phone now. I'm like, stop looking. I want to see it. I couldn't send the picture. I just was like... Like, it's like tweet, and then it's, there's a note that says, nice picture of Sean Majunder with the judges and integrity team with Aunt Jai Check. So, yeah. check it out. <laughs> it no is a cool picture. Ah, uh-huh. uh, exactly. And then uh, the AMEBC guys continue to bang that uh, land access drum. Right. Really heavy. Again, another pun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, jeez, I'm on Where fire. Where did they come from? Fi- I don't know. It just, oh, I, I don't, I don't I'm, know. I'm convinced that no matter who you are, <laughs> puns are just like, they're just like spontaneous. They're always spontaneous. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, and so uh, AMEBC was uh, was doing another um, big issue on land access in BC, uh, and some of the stats that they they put up on Twitter. Um, mining's footprint, um, land footprint in BC is 0.05 percent of the province is about 945 thousand square kilometers or so. Um, so, or 945 square kilometers or thousands, whatever it is. Anyways, everyone knows how big BC is, uh, <laughs> but it's 0.05% of the province's mining takes up a footprint. Yeah. Um, and then they said that less than 50% of the yep. province is available for mineral exploration under normal regulations. And the regulations concerning the remainder of the province are overlapping and often ambiguous. Yeah. So yeah. BC government, if you listen to the Northern Mono podcast, please sort that out. So that we can have better land access. Um, and then, uh, oh, I had uh, a tweet from us on uh, the article that um, Selma wrote on Brent Cook, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, but uh, I think there's a, there's a really good inter- interview with Brent coming up that uh, Selma did. I think oh, it's so great. Yeah, yeah she... she um, and uh, so do check that out. It's online now. It's online so right now. It's yeah, a great article. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you have a chance to read it? Yeah. Yeah? Do you want to mm-hmm. give us a Coles notes on it? Or do you remember what... Um, I can, no, I think we should talk about it next, next week, week because okay, uh, sure. we're, we're going to be wrapping up here pretty soon. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're and it's got a lot of really hot topics in there that, uh, really good points that Brent made and yeah, he was talking about retail investment and just, yeah, just what the, the dilemmas. Yeah. Just how difficult investors. it is these days for retail investors. Yeah, and yeah. So, so that, that'll be, I believe in the paper next week. Yeah. Uh, but it is up online now. So visit our website, um, and check out Selma's great coverage with yeah, Brent Cook. Yeah. Good job, Selma. Straight from the PDA. Good job, again. everybody. Um, and then I have the stats for, uh, the PDAC this year. So there were uh, the Ontario Mining Association. Thank you for tweeting these. Um, PDAC 2016 exceeded 22,000 attendees. Oh, yeah? Um, that was a, that's actually like the fourth year in a row. It's down. Oh, it's <laughs> so, so it was okay, but I think there were around 24,000 last year. So a few years in a row now it's been down. But that's to be expected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they – oh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard a bunch of different stuff. Like some guys were a little bit more bearish on it and then – um, some women or men were more a little bit more saying it was like really good this year. Yeah. So I don't know. We weren't there. So if you do have it, tweet us. Let us know yeah. what y- if you thought PDAC because the Ontario Mining Association here in their suite says opportunity abound despite industry challenges. So that's good. <laughs> and then there was like eight tweets. This this was like one. This was a topic, a hot topic. Oh, PDAC. what was that? Ecuador's buffet. Apparently, the Ecuadorian government. <laughs> Put out like the best buffet. No. Ever. Yeah. Well, there's like pictures. Like people were tweeting pictures of it, and it was like it looked pretty gorgeous. Like, really. Like, oh. uh, and I heard really good things about Ecuador's presence at the conference generally this year. Like, yeah. Um, I think they're making a really big push to, uh, to try to get uh, like Lundy Mining's down there and stuff, and they're trying to trying to sim with Argentina, right? Because yeah. we had Trish's coverage on Argentina. There's some South American countries that, with the oil glut, are are looking a little bit more to mining to get. Uh, Get the North American contingent down there and Mm. do what we do best, which is find things and, you know, 
create economic deposits. Well, not create them, but discover them. That'd be cool if we could. Yeah, mind powers. Yeah. Maybe that's the next next gold rush. I challenge. bet you. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. that. I was like, I bet <laughs> you that was actually a submission. It's like with my magic wand. Yeah, I yeah. will create. And um, yeah, so I think uh, we're out of time for the week. Yeah. Um, so we will um, let you go. Uh, coming up next week, I think, um, as we said, Leslie will be digging a little bit more into the Brent Cook article. We'll talk about a bit about that. Uh-huh. Uh, you have some stuff coming up on Ivanhoe, I believe. Yeah, Ivanhoe with their Kukula. Um, I'm probably going to actually talk to Marco Day from Oxygen, True Gold, Pure Gold, and uh, get more of like a, just kind of an overview from him on on the transaction, selling the company, what it's kind of like out there, because he sold a lot. They sold Frontier Mining as well a couple of years ago, if mm-hmm. everybody remembers, this was a big deal. Um, so I'll probably be having a chat with Mark. Um, I keep getting emails from uh, Tosico and the Raging River guys about their ongoing Raging River. really nasty proxy fight. Have you read yeah. some of this stuff? They're like accusing uh, Tosico management of insider trading, and it's all a, but there's, there's two defamation cases. It's, it's actually quite good mining drama so i might follow up on that if there's actually anything new and it's not just people essentially throwing things around a room but uh, yeah so that's what we have coming up probably next week Uh, but in the meantime uh have a great one i'm matthew keel and i'm leslie stokes we'll talk to you next week